There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. When do you notice that the paper you're using is actually your skin. Adrift with Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. Hello! Hello! Putting a lot of energy into my voice because I have absolutely no energy. In real life. Fake it till you make it. That's what I'm doing. I get this thing as I get older. I would be interested to hear from fellow drifters as to whether this is something that just happens with ageing or if I am, in fact, a medical anomaly. Which is, as I get tired, I start to feel cramp in my limbs. So yesterday, for whatever reason, I had quite a full day of it. And and, and by the end, I had cramp in my legs. And then I started panicking, because this has happened to me on a couple of occasions, that I was going to wake up in the middle of the night with my legs spasming and be screaming as if I was about to die. Mm. So, why is that happening to me? I've never heard of this. Really? No. Oh, I haven't said that. No, no. I've heard they, of it so much, it's very common. You shouldn't worry. It, it doesn't matter. Like, whatever the answer to that question, I'm happy with either answer to that question, because if it is common, mm. then great. It's nothing to be scared of, and I'm mm. not about to die. If it's not common, then I think, oh, maybe I'm a medical oddity and I could be paraded around doctors. Oh, the Jeff Lloyd syndrome. Exactly, yeah. yes. So I, either way is good. Anyway, do let me know if um, if that is a thing, if you are either a sufferer or you're a medical professional. I do not believe that you haven't Googled it. You must have Googled it in the middle of the night in a panic. Inconclusive. Oh, right, okay, okay. <laughs> Um, it, you know, I've sort of come up with everything from uh, a, a sign of ageing to something terminal. Of course, yeah, yeah. Which is, if you Google anything, it, mm. it's often those things. So a friend of mine this morning, mm. and I was moaning about this, that and the other to her. Mm. And this was a mistake because she is a spiritual person. Oh. And she has a spiritual guru. And she was just very emphatically telling me that I need to get in touch with her energy healer who lives in the Pyrenees, but does, <laughs> does Skype sessions. Oh, no. £90 a session. Do you feel, oh, £90. Yes. And she's, she's telling me, you know, what's great is she can talk about how the angels are uh, affecting your life. I'm thinking, I don't understand the existence of angels. Hmm. Right, so if there are angels, what are they doing most of the time when they're not sort of busy in your life? 
you know, making sure you get your job application goes well or whatever thing you've wished for. Like, have they got regular stuff going on? Are they like us? Do they have? Is it their job? Oh, I see. So then they have what their hobbies? Are you say? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Are we their work or their hobbies? Right, I guess right. what I'm asking. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, I mean, I don't believe in them, so I don't know why. I and mean, then she's telling me this stuff about plants and how quantum physics has proven that plants are very sensitive. <laughs> You'll like this, Annabelle, because oh, yeah, she's saying yeah. plants are very uh, sensitive to people's moods. Yeah, yeah. And um, they've done extensive testing, extensive mm. testing mm-hmm. in China. In China. Um, yeah. Whereby, if people have been mean to a plant in the past, it remembers you the next time. <laughs> I mean, just all this stuff. And here's the thing: because I'm an awkward person, I don't sit there going, "Oh, this is a nonsense, though. This is a nonsense, though." I'm going, mm, yeah, I suppose you could be right. I mean, I suppose it would be arrogant of us to think we know everything. I mean, a hundred years ago, they probably thought they know everything, and look at what we know now. Mm-hmm. This is the kind of things I'm saying. Right, right. So then I'm, I make my own bed by saying these things, mm. and then she says, "Well, here's the number for my energy healer in the Pyrenees." Are you Got a caller? Oh, and she didn't ask if. Oh God! What? So of course, what did you say? Yeah. Said, yeah, yeah. As soon as you go, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna call her. And what are you gonna do now then? Well, she's texted me to ask if I've called her yet. What? So I've, I've said, well, I got a little bit distracted, but um, is she on commission? <laughs> What's going on here? I'm suspicious. But I think I'm going to end up having an appointment with an energy <laughs> healer out of awkwardness. Yeah. And it reminds me of the time on the radio show when we were talking about past life regressions oh, yeah. and a listener got in touch and said that he could do past life regressions. Oh. So he said, sure, come in and do them. And I got, reg- well, you you got it and you were into oh, it, loved right? Loved it, loved it. Yeah, I was at Milk Maiden Horn Church. Right. Because I don't believe in past life regressions. Mm. And I, I think I've said to you before, I think they are for people who like history, <laughs> but are so narcissistic that they can't imagine history without them in the middle of it. <laughs> Yeah, but so but you you went along with it. And you you genuinely you genuinely believe without a uh, yeah. shadow of a doubt yeah. that you were regressed to a previous life. Can I have a little shadow of a doubt? <laughs> but but for the sake of enjoyment, I'm going to say for myself, I yeah, I was. It happened. I'll tell you what I was, I was doing. I know. just making stuff up so he didn't feel awkward. Didn't you say you were a dog? I'm sure you said you're either a dog or a monkey. I can't remember. What <laughs> you I said. did. You said you're either a dog or a monkey. <laughs> <laughs> So now I'm going to have to go through the whole same charade with an energy healer in the Pyrenees (laughs) over Skype. When you stop thinking, your mind begins to start loving. Adrift with Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Ports. Oh, touch it, touch it. Time to hear from you about your efforts to be a proper person, and then how you've crashed and burned spectacularly. If you haven't yet sent us your story, do so. It's hello at adriftpodcast.com. The first one's from General Lee Williamson. I was out driving with my wife and we happened to drive past a nice looking pub. I was busting for a wee, so I said, why don't we stop here and have a drink? So we did. We ordered our drinks at the bar and I asked the barman where the gents were. I then went to the toilet, washed my hands and was just finishing drying them when I heard someone enter the toilet behind me. As I turned around, the guy behind me also turned around and went out of the toilet. I followed him out, but as I was about to go through the door, he shut the door behind him and wouldn't let me through. As I pushed the door open, he started pushing it shut. I said, open the door, mate. (laughs) And he said, no. I said, open the door, I'm coming out. And he said, not with me, you're not. I tried pushing the door again several times, but he managed to push it shut And then I heard a click. I thought, he's locked me in. 
I couldn't work out what was going on, so I took a step back and then realised <laughs> that it wasn't the exit after all. The exit was the next door along. I realised to my horror that the guy had gone into a cubicle to do his business and I was trying to push my way in with him. As I made my way back to the bar, the horror of what just happened started to hit me, especially me saying, open the door, I'm coming out, and him saying, not with me, you're not. When I got back to my wife, she looked at me and said, are you okay? And I said, no, drink up, we're leaving. When I told her what happened, she agreed to hide in the other bar while we drank our drinks before making a sharp exit. Oh, that is just remarkable it's so wonderful <laughs> you know sometimes uh, you're in a toilet cubicle and either the lock doesn't work or you forgot to lock it and then somebody opens the door mm. I always wish that I'd have the presence of mind to just sit there really calmly look the person in the eye and say I've been expecting you oh it was so creepy <laughs> <laughs> so creepy alright what's next this is from Gareth about seven years ago, I joined a company that's going through some industrial action with their cabin crew. The company advertised for other staff within the company to come forward and operate as cabin crew to keep the scheduled flights going. Essentially, come forward and be a scab. For reasons I won't go into, I decided to put myself forward. I know, I know, really bad. In hindsight, I feel terrible and I wouldn't do it again. Anyway, six weeks of training done, all good fun. We were allocated our first flights to operate as brand new scab crew. <laughs> Obviously, this was all whilst industrial action was taking place and members of crew were on the picket line. It wasn't a comfortable atmosphere, to say the least. Some crew, for financial reasons, couldn't afford to go on strike, so very reluctantly they were forced to come to work. A fairly bitter vibe, as you can imagine, between crew and scabs and very little banter. I did a few flights and muddled through what was actually quite a tiring task. Many awkward interactions with the public later, red wine over someone's clothes, lemonade in someone's face. I felt I had it licked. I was like, I can do this. I could see the world. I could be anybody. Nothing could stop me. So the day in question, I was given a flight to South Africa. All well and good, very happy. I'd never been before. I was put down the back in economy where my lack of social grace could do no harm. So imagine the scene. I'm trotting down the aisle thinking I'm normal and that I know what I'm doing and that perhaps I might have mastered finally the art of social interaction. I was gleefully catapulting chicken or beef at every face I saw, politely asking would they like red or white wine with their processed and printed meal. When I came to the first black passengers I'd seen on the flight to South Africa, three all seated next to the window and one across the aisle. I looked through the cabin and I realised that these were the only four black passengers in the whole zone. Don't ask me why, but suddenly at that moment my head was full of thoughts of apartheid and Nelson Mandela and the troubled history this country had hosted. I can only put this break in thought down to what came out my mouth next. I leaned forward to address the kindly woman what meal she would prefer. Vegetarian, please, was her reply, if I remember rightly. Would you like any wine with your meal, madam? Yes, please. Certainly, black or white. Our eyes met and the gaze was held. I said nothing. In fact, I believe I ceased to exist for what seemed like 15 to 20 seconds. My eyes, half flickering, hers unwavering. Suffice to say, when you've been half bent overlooking three people after such a faux pas, it feels like eternity. I can't imagine what she was thinking. I don't even know what I was thinking. I can only imagine she thought I was some disgusting, awful, racist pig. And then, even worse, I stood upright, turned around and walked back to the gallery to calmly consider my oblivion, drawing the curtain behind me and leaving the trolley. <laughs> I didn't 
know what to do. Most of the crew hated me just for being there. So I just stood there, red-faced and suicidal. A short moment later, after preventing myself from opening the pressurised door, I gathered myself and walked back outside to finish this horrific interaction. Sorry, madam, I just had to get a tissue. What wine would you like, red or white? I can't remember what she asked for, to be honest. I was too embarrassed to make new memories. Although what happened next was the icing on the cake. As I turned to my left to serve the remainder of her travel party, I bent forward and kindly announced, Good afternoon, sir. Would you be interested in a meal? To which a short-haired, yet clearly female lady turned and looked at me and sharply said no. no. My day was complete. I still wonder to this day whether she thought I was being an arse. I gave up shortly after that and went back to my own department, sure in the notion that I could never be a scab or interact with people ever again. That is remarkable. Yes. I mean, my favourite bit is just the flea, the fleeing <laughs> and the drawing the curtain. <laughs> and then, but no, you've got to go back. Like the trolley's there. You have to go back. And what are you going to do? Okay, okay. Just a few more seconds and I can pull a curtain around me. <laughs> I can separate me from the terrible incident with the curtain. I like how they said, sorry, madam, I just had to get a tissue. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Oh, that is really something. Yeah. Um, if you have a story and you haven't yet shared it with us, well, I mean, you, it can't be any more humiliating than that. Surely not. I don't know. Well, I hope so, though. <laughs> uh, email us hello at adriftpodcast.com. Form an orderly bubble and off we go. Adrift. Time now for part eight in a little feature that Annabelle likes to call Ways in Which I'm Not a Fully Functioning Adult. Yes, part eight. Meaning the I in that is you, not me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So this one is, how often I think, ah, that will do. (laughs) I realised it's a problem yesterday when I fully registered a sign that I'd put on my letterbox a few weeks ago. It's a sign that says, no leaflets, please. Now, I'll explain first why it's there. Basically, if there are no such thing as rubbish and recycling collections, I swear my flat would be 98% leaflet. I'd estimate that about six get delivered a day. It's like these companies think we don't have the internet in Zone 4 of London. (laughs) It's out of control. Some of them even put the leaflets in an envelope to trick me, trick me into looking at their leaflet, not just leaving it on the doormat with all the others until it gets difficult to open and close the door. That is low behaviour. I've only ever in all this time got one good leaflet and that was from an Indian takeaway and it had the standard telephone number to contact them. Then it also had a mobile number, which they instructed you to ring in an emergency. (laughs) I've ever thought about calling it at 3am and saying I have a vegetable Danzac emergency, but I never have. And that is the only good leaflet. The rest, it feels like about 80% of them are for garden landscaping companies, which does make me slightly suspicious that it's my neighbours calling up these companies and asking them to send these leaflets as my overgrown front garden is bringing down the house prices of the street. And also now probably my front door. So I felt the need to put up a sign saying no leaflets, please, as I was sick of leaflets. And also I have a baby who was a very light sleeper, which is annoying, but not as annoying as people are saying, oh, what you need to do is not tiptoe around when he slept as a newborn and then they can sleep through noise, which is exactly what I did. And on the rare occasions he would go to sleep, not on me, he'd wake up at the slightest sound. So the sound of a leaflet coming through the letterbox wakes him up along with the noise of the dog barking, because he 100% believes that every leaflet or letter is a hand grenade being lobbed into our house and he is Andy McNabb rushing to save us. 
And I got pretty fed up with this. And I remember that some people have signs on their doors saying no circulars, no hawkers, which has always bothered me because why are they using the words <laughs> circular and hawker? <laughs> so what I did instead was I ripped out a bit of paper from my notebook, wrote in Byron on it, no leaflets, please. And then I stuck it with sellotape to the door. My door, which also has sellotape to it, around 90% of the time, a bit of paper that says, please don't knock, baby sleeping, leave parcel on doorstep. Because I put it up when the baby naps, just in case I've got a parcel coming for me or the neighbours, and then forget to take it down. So my front door, it's got two handwritten sellotape signs, and also lots of bits of sticky mess from where I'm continually putting on and taking off bits of sellotape. I truly meant to buy a nice sign about the leaflets, I saw it yesterday and the whole mess of it properly registered and I still thought oh, that would do <laughs> even though it's now started to curl at the sides as well if I were Michelangelo I'd have done God pointing on the Sistine Chapel and thought oh, that will do if I were Gustav Eiffel I'd have designed the first hundred feet of the Eiffel Tower and thought oh, that will do if I were the creator of Toy Story, I would have written the first draft where Woody is an evil giant ventriloquist dummy who terrorised the other toys and thought, ah, that'll do. Actually, maybe that one wouldn't have been as bad. I was perming my friend's hair when we were 15 and I did the sides and then I got to the back and ran out of the little rollers. So I just plaited it, poured on the perming lotion and thought, ah, that'll do. I mean, it wasn't that bad to be fair, it was quite bad. And one more final example. I got to this point writing it all down and I thought, well, what a great job I've done. I've truly finished. <laughs> Not really. Ah, that'll do. Get with it. Get with it. Get with it. With, 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 with. Get with it. Adrift. Adrift. With Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. I'm slightly hesitant to mention this, but I'm on another podcast this week, which I think comes out at the end of the week. Mm-hmm. It's called Two Shot Pod, and it's a really good, really successful podcast. And it's hosted by... Craig Parkinson, who is an actor, and you probably already know who I mean, but if you don't, if you've seen um, In the Line of Duty... Oh, yeah, yeah. He played the caddy. Right, yes, yes. But he's been in a bunch of stuff. Uh, Most recently, he was the dad in um, Bandersnatch, the Charlie Brooker Netflix Black Mirror thing. And it's a really good podcast he's it's an interview podcast and he's a fantastic interviewer in as much as everyone who does that type of podcast is trying to make it feel like a conversation but it hardly ever does and he does a really good job of that um and he and and i'm just he has good people on it usually (laughs) and jody whittaker's been on it great (sighs) mira sayal David Morrissey, wow, Neil Morrissey, all the Morrisseys apart from Morrissey, actually. Yeah, yeah. And now you. Yeah. Never quite forgiven Neil Morrissey for making a cuckold of Les Dennis. <laughs> I can't let it go. But really? but anyway, so I'm, I'm, I'm hesitant about mentioning it for two reasons. One is it's a really good podcast and I'm, I'm afraid that his listeners are going to be angry at him for having someone they've never heard of on it and it's, it's going to ruin his podcast. I'm sure that won't happen. And then secondly... Um, I am just not good at being interviewed. But, and I'll tell you for why. Because I forget that an interview is supposed to be an entertaining chat. <laughs> and I, I think, oh, somebody's asking me questions. It's like being in a therapy session. And then my answers are like being in a therapy session. Oh. And I just feel like I embarrass myself on them. And I'm, I'm a bit worried. Well, I can't wait to listen. Well, don't, li- don't oh, okay. listen to it. Okay. But, I mean, I want to give Craig's podcast a, a plug because right, it's right. so good and he's so great. Listen to all the Morrissey. Well, do. Yeah. I mean, there's just so many, so many great people, actually, you know, mainly actors, but all different kinds of people. And it is great, but I'm just... 
I've got. I've, if anybody ever interviews me again, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to think about it beforehand mm. and think. You know, when you see people on chat shows or being interviewed, and they're all really funny and telling great anecdotes that go somewhere. Very, very rarely are they. Well, I don't, was that an example of things that don't go anywhere? <laughs> I just wish that I'd told some funny stories and brushed off at slightly more serious questions. Right, right. But people like the serious stuff. No, they don't. They do. They like, they like do. I've often thought in therapy sessions, this is great because I don't have to worry about being interesting because you're being paid to sit there and listen to me. Uh-huh. I always feel like I should be sending money to the people who listen to his podcast <laughs> <laughs> to, for having to sit through me wanging on Mm. anyway so that's that okay um but more importantly let's um let's let's move on to the latest episode in the scintillating soap opera that is the adrift pencil shop and i've got some really big news yes the jiffy bags arrived what the jiffy bags with the pencils in them? No, no. The Jiffy, I mean, I had to buy Jiffy bags to send them out, didn't I? So I bought them. I bought a job lot and they arrived. <laughs> now, the slightly less good news is the pencils <laughs> have not arrived. I just checked on the website now that I bought them from and it says pending fulfilment. But it did promise within eight working days. And I think we're on this, we're, it's Monday, isn't it? We're on the sixth working day. Okay. So they'll definitely be there by at mine by Wednesday. Then I've got to take a photograph and upload the photograph to the website that I'm selling them from. Um, so all being good, midweek to the end of the week, rough ballpark, should be able to buy them if you've pre-registered. This is legit, isn't it? You've not been scammed by uh, an online scammer pretending to be a pencil manufacturer. Oh, no, I'm really panicking I mean, that now. would be niche. It would be very niche, wouldn't it? No, yeah. I, I think it's legit. All right. Um, if stuff, if there's movement on this between now and this week's episode, should we tell people to keep an eye on the Facebook page? Yep. All right. Yep. <laughs> More next week. Drift. To Floyd and Annabelle Port. Drift. Okay, the incident then. Mm-hmm. My wife invited some friends over for for brunch yesterday morning. Right. Which, of course, fills me with dread, having to interact with people. But still, it's it's people I like. Uh, And she says to me, would you mind cooking? She was out working on the Saturday night. I said, it's it's fine. So I do an intricate menu plan. Mm Mm-hmm. Four different dishes. Nice. Do you want to know what they were? I, 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 I do okay. would love to okay. know, yeah. So one was sort of spiced masala potato cakes Ooh, with uh, um, avocado and lemon and like a spicy masala mix on top with a little pickle on top of that. Mm. So loosely based on an Anna Jones thing. Okay. And then there was some poha flaked rice mm-hmm. as a side. A peanut, spicy peanut soup as Ooh, a side. Wow. Yeah. And then like a chana chickpea masala as a side. That sounds amazing. Yeah. So I spent all of Saturday night measuring out the spices, putting them in little, little pots, labelling which dish they go with, pre-slicing the onions, putting them in Tupperware, getting it all ready. Mm. I then get up on Sunday morning and start preparing this meal for their arrival around 11.30, 11.45. Mm. I look at my phone, there's a message. And it turns out that one of this couple is 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 sick. 
Mm. He uses the phrase coming out of both ends oh. and then has both the smiley face emoji, which is sort of green and a bit sick, yeah. and a poo emoji Whoa. in case I didn't know what he meant. Yeah. And then said, so, so we won't be able to make it. So sorry. I was gutted. I was two thirds of the way into preparing all this food. That's bad. It is bad. Yeah. It's bad. But, you know, I also felt bad for him because I know what it's like feeling like that. And the mm. last thing you want is a big spicy Indian brunch True. or yeah. any food Mm-mm. for that matter. So I finished making it anyway. I have a bit. My wife has a bit. The rest of it goes into Tupperware. Mm. Later that day, I'm on the sofa, killing a bit of time. Mm. Have a look at Instagram. Yeah. There they are on Instagram, out and about. They're in the park. Hmm. Now they're not eating. Yeah, but they're but not. But still, yeah, I mean, he's, he's. I don't know that that's appropriate behaviour. Hmm. I mean, there's nothing incriminating in that. I'm not seeing evidence of him socialising with other people, or and the key thing is consuming food or drink. Yeah, yeah. But that being said, if he's well enough to go to the park, uh, isn't he well enough to come round for brunch? Okay, yeah. If you do cancel on somebody should you then be banned from putting up social media posts for an appropriate length of time Mm. i find out on this week's the incident tony cowards is a comedian he's also excellent at social media so i thought he would be a good person to ask about the etiquette of this yeah that definitely does seem a bit bit out of order really um so he's clearly in these photos, you can't detect any signs of of illness, or does he look a bit peaky? Well, or? I mean, peaky is a difficult thing to detect on a social media post, isn't it? Because I'm sure there are filters that people can use to make themselves look non-peaky. <laughs> so it's possible he was peaky, but he put a filter on it. But just to answer your question, I think de- definitely a non-peaky look in the photos. Okay, and it, and it was out in the park, you say? So it was outside? Yes. yes. So, yeah, this, the park isn't obviously the sort of place you'd go if you weren't really feeling 100%, is it, really? No, I mean, you could make the argument fresh air is good for you, but, I mean, I, I, I think he, the, the way it was presented to me, he would have been unable to venture more than a few metres from the from the toilet. Ah, ah. And how, and these these photos were taken, at, what, around about the time that he should have been at your... At your house? Yeah, so I mean, they haven't got an actual timestamp on them, but from what I was able to glean from the position of the sun in the sky and so on, I, <laughs> I would say they were taken at the time where we would have been sitting there having a, a post-brunch lull, perhaps. Right. So, so it sounds like it, it might well have been one of these 24-minute bugs you hear about. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that, no, that does sound... Sound a bit suspicious, doesn't it? Yeah. Is, it, is, it, is this um, is this um, friend of yours? Is it someone that's kind of had a history of bailing out, or is it? Is he has he well, been reliable? To, to be the- honest, it's it's a, it's a friendship sort of in the fledgling stages. Um, so I don't know too much about the track record in in this situation. But um, I, I mean, what what do you think the etiquette is in terms of? If you've cancelled something, should you then, out of politeness, stay away from social media for, I don't know, say 12 to 24 hours? Yeah, I think to be on the safe side, definitely a social media blackout of <laughs> probably 12, 12 hours. I think to be on the safe side. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
especially, yeah, it just shows a slight carelessness, really, isn't it? Have you thought of, of, of what what have you planned to do about it? Are you, because uh, to my mind, I think uh, you said he posted these photos on Instagram. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't really use Instagram, but I presume it's a bit like like Facebook. Can you do a, a passive aggressive like of his photos? That, now that is a good idea. Would would you include a, a comment along the lines of "Glad to see you're feeling a bit better"? Uh, <laughs> no, I, th- I think that might go. That might just be a little step too far, wouldn't it? But just a sneaky like, just to like one of the photos, so just so he'll see that and go, "Oh no, Jeff's seen the photos." Or get a mutual friend, perhaps uh, tweet something or post something about saying, "Oh, I've just seen seen the other person, and they oh they weren't looking too good today. I hope they're okay." Yes, that that is a good strategy. A lot of what you do on social media is very well-constructed jokes. How Do you ever have a problem with people taking stuff literally? Um, yes, yes, sometimes. Although I'd say the biggest problem I have is um, the other way around. It's, um, especially on Twitter, about 90%, I'd say, of what I put on there is jokes. Um, just silly, daft one-liners. But very occasionally I'll put something sort of serious-ish on there or or... Um, not an actual joke, and then people get really confused. They just sort of, I get a lot of replies of people going, I don't get this one. <laughs> I don't get it. And I have to point out, no, this one wasn't actually a joke. <laughs> my, my grandma did actually die. <laughs> yeah. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. It's coming for you. Can you believe they just did that? Got to go to an event this week, which I don't like going to an event, but this one was quite special because you don't get to do something like this every day. A friend of mine was sworn in as a judge at the High Court in London, so I got to go to the Royal Courts in the Strand, which is this building that's hundreds of years old and everything that happens in there in terms of the ceremony and the pomp and so on feels like it's been the same for hundreds of years. And I, I watched my friend Justine being sworn in as a judge. Amazing. And it, was, it was incredible. Like they all had those... Um, so, so I think she had been a QC perhaps. So then all her friends who were QCs were there and they were all wearing the little wigs. Right. And then the more senior judges and nobody has explained this to me. This is what I'm ascertaining myself guessing yeah, guessing <laughs> right. like there was some serious maybe like lord judge top judge mr Je- head judge honcho he had the long wig on and she had to wear a long i mean it was it was it was quite something they all look dirty those wigs they all look the same color as my nan's ceiling when she was a heavy smoker <laughs> <laughs> she had anaglypto wallpaper and it's you know it had that sort of look to it but um I mean, it was it was quite the thing to behold. There was no photography allowed in the courtroom because you're not allowed to take photographs in British courtrooms. So I thought she won't have a record of this occasion. And if that had been me being sworn in as a, a high court judge, I would have got one of those courtroom artists <laughs> yeah. to draw it for me as a memento. Um, 
but it was you know i felt honored to be invited along to witness a thing it was a lovely lovely thing to see were there any sort of nibbles and drinks and stuff well this this is the thing there were so firstly the weird thing about it is it was in this area of the royal courts of justice where they've got costumes you know the different robes and things from over the years in glass cases. Ooh. So it almost felt like being in a shop and saying, I have one of those, please. <laughs> but here's why I why I mentioned the whole thing, really, is Shami Chakrabarti was there. Oh, right, yeah. Now, Shami Chakrabarti uh, was, was famously this human rights lawyer who headed up an organisation called Liberty. Mm-hmm. And I think she's subsequently gone into the House of Lords and she might be shadow something or other for the Labour Party. I'm not, I'm not sure. But I had her on the old radio show mm. on Mind Expanding Monday talking about her work with Liberty. And then at the end of the interview, um, it went very well. We got on very well and she gave me her card and said, oh, if you ever need anything, then um, here's my number, you know, any time. Some months later, I was in a cinema in central London in the the cafe on the ground floor and I stood up and as I stood up, I almost walked straight into her. So we were face to face, eyeball to eyeball and we'd got on so well in the interview. I went, smiled and I said, Shammy! And she didn't smile back and she just ignored me and walked off. Now... I don't expect people I've interviewed to remember me, and I'm mm. also very bad at remembering faces. Yeah, yeah. I think like it takes a certain type of person to just ignore somebody saying that. But anyway. Yeah, yeah. But then I, I felt weird. I thought, oh, did she think I was some weirdo just shouting her name in her face? And then I remembered that she'd given me her number. Mm-hmm. So I found it in my phone, and I texted her and said, oh, Shami, uh, I just bumped into you in the picture house, and I think I freaked you out. Just to let you know it wasn't some random weirdo. It's Jeff, you were on my radio show a few months ago. She never replied. Oh, dear. And she was at this drinks Whoa. reception afterwards. So, now, what I yeah. haven't mentioned yeah. is throughout the ceremony, my, my, I'd, I'd got a bit of gas right. and I'd been stifling it throughout. Yeah. So do you want to know what I did? Oh, I think we all know what you did. Yep. Just as you was walking past, right? I walked past her. Yeah. I think it's called crop dusting. I think that's the, yeah, the expression. Yeah. I crop dusted her. Whoa. I, Really? Yes. As the ultimate meek revenge. <laughs> this is your favourite programme. Adrift. Adrift. With Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. You ready? I'm ready. Let's um, let's ourselves sit in judgment. Oh, yes, please. <laughs> Quandary Corner at the Glap Clinic in Problematic. First one's from Brit. I live in a small town in Derbyshire. When I go to my local supermarket, Wheat Rose, I frequently bump into people I know. It's okay if I meet them at the checkout or leave in the shop, but at any other point in the shop, I find it really awkward once you've met and had a chat and then get on with your shopping. What is the correct etiquette for when you bump into them again down an aisle in a few minutes? Probably several times down the shopping aisles. (laughs) It feels particularly awkward with someone I haven't seen in a long time. What I usually do is after our hi, how are you, and the obligatory painful small talk that goes with it, I say a polite hi as I pass them again and inevitably again through the shop. It all feels so uncomfortable. I've now started to joke with the person as we meet. Well, I expect I'll bump into you several times here in a minute now after not seeing you for all these months or years. Ha ha. It still doesn't seem to help. I have no idea how to be when I see them again. How much to say? Or do you ignore them like you don't know them? I know it depends largely (laughs) on your friendship and history with that person, but generally it just feels so awkward. 
I often find myself peeping down an aisle to avoid bumping into them. I'm peeping at the till points, making sure I choose a different checkout, only to find they appear behind me in the queue after. Sometimes I've just left the shop, it's easier. Also, I work in a local day hospice, and sometimes a guest will want to come and update me about their condition or their relative's condition. How can I possibly say, oh, sorry to hear about your relative's condition deteriorating or they've died, your results are so worrying for you, etc., etc.? But I'm going to get a parking ticket if I don't go now. I mean, how can you? The amount of parking tickets I've ended up with. So I've handled this in recent times by making up an urgent appointment I've got to be going to. And then I've been caught out once or twice, having driven around the town, <laughs> gone somewhere else and bumped into them again. <laughs> I think Brittany's helped, doesn't she? Oh, Brit. So let's start with the supermarket one. So, so the the problem here isn't yours; it's society's. If everybody went round the supermarket the same way, mm. this wouldn't happen. Mm. I see. What yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, you know, you could just hang back mm. and let them continue, and then hopefully you never. Like, I think you should start by going up the aisle. Yeah, you know where you enter, Mm-mm. or the one with the fruit and veg, and then work your way. Round to the end, mm. which I don't know if that's booze or if it's um, uh, toilet rolls and comfort Depends, yeah. softener or whatever. But yeah. I think you should just people should people go rogue. They're crisscrossing. Well, what they're happens? Coming back down aisles. Is that I'll I'll follow the system mm. and then I'll realise that I haven't got anything and I'll have to go back. And so therefore, that's when you're more likely to bump into someone again. But you I mean you're doing the right thing, Brit, which is just going oof. Fancy bumping into you here and yeah. oh hello again. I mean that's that's the that's the thing to do, isn't it? I think it definitely is the most awkward if you haven't seen someone for years. You've oh, done the big I mean, chat. It's just awkward. It's just like oh I've yeah, seen yeah. Oh, that is yeah. I think. But what else can you do apart from online shopping? Yeah, okay, online show. There we go. <laughs> Waitrose do it. I know for a fact. Yeah, you're you're quite right. They yeah, do. Yeah. Okay, and then what about how do you say to someone who's telling you about something awful that you've got to go? You're going to get a parking ticket. And that is so difficult. Yeah, I don't. I don't have the social skills to deal with that. I'm afraid. You could. You could say. I'm trying to think what my capable wife would do in this situation. I think she would just be straight up about it. She said she would say, "I'm very interested in what you're saying. I'm about to get to a parking ticket. Would you walk to my car with me?" Oh, that's an, that's an option. Yeah, walk. Will you walk with me? Because no, nobody wants to walk to your car, so hopefully, hopefully they'll say, "Oh, not to worry, I'll I'll fill you in next time I see you." The difficulty that I would find is finding the gap to say that because once they've started saying it and they're saying something like terrible and probably depressing and awful, how do you how do you start even bringing up parking tickets? <sighs> I think you just have to get a parking ticket. <laughs> I honestly, I honestly can't see a way around it. It's almost impossible to deal with. Build in an extra twenty minutes to every every uh, uh, errand you need to run. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. an awful situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is, I mean, Brit. I hate to say it, but you've you've brought this on yourself by being a good person and, yeah. and volunteering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, if you just did nothing for society, Mm-mm. society wouldn't want anything from you. Yeah, they just want more. <laughs> You start giving and they just want more and more of you. But if you can, like if there is some kind of gap, say, oh, just keep talking, but walk with me. Yeah. And you just need to uh, get yeah, to the yeah, car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I think so really hard. early on, yeah. as soon as you get a whiff of it, say, I'm about to get a parking ticket. I'm very interested in what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, before they get into it. Yeah, yeah. Or there's even, even, maybe before there's even a hint of it. As yeah. soon as they open their mouth, say, walk with me. <laughs> That's what they do on the West Wing. <laughs> yeah, there we okay. go. Okay, let's move on to Alistair. He says, 
While recently flying to Italy, I introduced my girlfriend to the podcast for the first time. I think we've reached a stage where she won't judge me. When the episode <laughs> finished, I commented that although I could see myself reacting in a similar way to most of the stories, nothing had really happened to me to write in. That was until the coach transferred to the hotel, which is where my dilemma occurred. I therefore need your help in Quandry Corner, at the Glatt Clinic, in Problematic, etc. We settled on the coach nice and early, getting a seat towards the back. I should say I'm six foot two, so leg room is often an issue. However, on this coach, it was just about sufficient. However, then, despite there being lots of other spare seats, a, shall we say, larger gentleman came and sat in the seat directly in front of me. This resulted in the seat being pushed back to such a point it forced my legs to bend round me under my own seat at a 45 degree angle and my knees to constantly press against their seat in front. Basically, it was very uncomfortable and gave me two dead legs. There were plenty of other seats, so we could have moved. However, I was worried about him thinking I was being rude about his weight. And if he was going to the same hotel as us, then having to avoid him in the restaurant all week. My question is, could I have moved seats without causing offence? Also considering my girlfriend would have needed to move too. Or was I right to spend the 90 minute journey straining my knees, legs and feet? I think I would have spent the 90 minute journey straining my knees, legs and feet if I, I mean, I'm not a big tall man, but I think mm. that's the thing. Um, so was the coach moving at this point? Well, when when the guy sat down, it wasn't, but then it, then it headed off, yeah. wonder if there's any sort of pretending to take a call and say, oh, the reception's bad, I'm just going to go outside. Oh, I think it's a bit risky with a coach. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Or maybe, you could, maybe the cheeky, he could have said loudly, oh, I think the view's better on this side of the coach. That side is the mountain view. This is the sea view. I don't know. So you can make up something <laughs> about the views. I don't know. So you want to sit on a different side of the coach? That's an option. Yeah, yeah. But I agree. Like it's difficult. I've been on the tube before, where say someone smelly sits sat next to me, and I don't want to move because I don't want them to know that I'm moving because they're smelly. But then I don't want to sit there smelling it. Mm. You don't know what to do. So what do you do then? Well, you just suffer, don't you? Just suffer. You just suffer because you don't want to hurt people's feelings. Life is suffering. Yeah, there you go. Get used to it, Alistair. The end. And that was our podcast. Thank you for listening to it. Thanks to Man and the Echo for the backing music. You know, I said I got uh, they've got a new song called A Capable Man. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, they sent me a secret link to the new album, and it's just fantastic. Oh, I'm brilliant. very excited for everybody to hear it. It's uh, really good. So thanks to Man and the Echo, and to Emily Harrison for the incidental music during the incident. Vince Lynch and Simon Wilcox are our announcers and made the little jingles. Patrick Gunning and Awana Babu provided technical stuff. Uh, Carla Gowlett took the photos and Kim Rainey made the artwork. Share your story with us, please. Um, you know, there was some real humiliation in today's Can You Top That? Uh, give it a go. If not, you know, even if it was a few notches down on the humiliation, still good. Yeah. Uh, but share your story of failed human interaction. And if you have a social etiquette... Etiquette. <laughs> Etiquette query. It was because I was about to say query, you see. Yeah, of course. I do, I do know how to say etiquette. And we all know that, don't worry. Yeah. Um, then you can email us hello at adriftpodcast.com. And please, if you uh, find yourself with a bit of money rattling around, 
in your purse, then you can support us. Patreon.com stroke adrift. And uh, in, in the words of my esteemed colleague, Annabelle, ah, that'll do. Adrift. Onto the podication, and you've you've warned me uh, we're in for the long haul here, aren't we? Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a longer one, yeah. Okay, it comes from Daniel, who says, Dear Jeff, dear Annabelle, hello to you both. I am writing you today to chat a somewhat embarrassing story about the first time I visited a love interest at his apartment. This story makes its way round to a podication too. So there we go. That's, that's what's going on here. Yeah. It's a story and a podication all rolled into one. A few weeks ago, I met a very handsome fella, John, not his real name, <laughs> who had recently moved to New Orleans, as had I, and we were both seeking friendship. I move every few months for work. I had lived here before, and so had he years ago. Already we had something in common. John and I have had coffee together a couple of times, went dancing and walked around the city several times before he finally invited me over to his place for dinner. We'd been clear that we were both looking for friendship before anything romantic, but I can't help but feel absolutely taken with him and I secretly hope that he feels the same way. We decide to meet for dinner at the restaurant on the first floor of his building, but when I, am, when I arrive, I am immediately faced with a challenge. The restaurant is beautiful. Glass windows drape the sides from floor to ceiling and wrap all the way around. Classy. However, I can't seem to spot the door. Oh, God. I slow my pace and scan each glass panel for a handle. Nothing. <laughs> oh. <laughs> the worst there are plenty feeling. of people sitting inside. How did they get in there? <laughs> I walk to one end of the restaurant, ever aware that multiple people have just seen me walk from the centre of the outside of the building to the other, still nothing. I feel so uneasy. I pull my phone out and pretend like I have a call and begin to pace back and forth from one end to the other again. I feel my wavering confidence has become visual as I have now looked into the eyes of several patrons whilst also pushing against glass <laughs> that doesn't move. I give up! <laughs> I quickly make my way to the residential side of the building to let myself in. And to the great to my greatest relief, there is a real door handle with a real sorry, real door with a real handle. I give it a proper yank and it doesn't budge. I hear a woman call from behind and ask me what my business is. She's from security. I've seen you poking around the building. Are you here for someone? (laughs) Um I'm here to see John, I say softly. She asked me for his room number. I don't know it. She asked me for his code. I don't know that either. I apologise and try to leave. However, she doesn't let me. She calls John instead and I hear him laugh and say, he couldn't figure out how to get inside. Let him in. Thankfully, he finds the humour in it and I'm in. Dinner is great. I apologise for getting security involved. And after dinner, he shows me to the entrance, which is one of the many panels that I pushed. It was a pull. The handle is made in such a way you're supposed to reach your hand behind the panel, easily missable by anyone who's not been here before. Oh, I hate that restaurant for making it so I hard. I mean, I do think oh. they're just trying to make it difficult yeah. for people. Um, now, two weeks later, a few more hangouts and another dinner. We are sitting across from each other enjoying some vegan... Do you say pho? 
Oh, I thought you say foam. Well, I know it's spelt faux, P-H-O, but some, somebody, t- in fact, it was a comedian, Sam Simmons, who oh. is an aficionado. He said you pronounce it pho, but I'll say faux. Then mm. people know what I'm talking about. Yeah. I now know that I'm completely taken with this guy. He's incredible, intelligent, strong, relaxed, confident, career-oriented. Uh, oriented. There's a slight Americanism there. We say orientated. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. We oriented. say oriented, oriented as well. Mm. I don't know. Uh, and independent. This is huge. I am a 26-year-old guy who's never been in a relationship, and I can feel this is becoming something special for me. I'm so eager to tell him how I feel. He's telling me about his week. And I watch and I listen. And my heart out of my chest. I feel so happy. I feel safe. There's a break in the conversation. And out of nowhere, John looks at me and asks, So, how's your love life? Mm -hmm. What? My love life? My stomach drops. The world feels like it just came to a violent and sudden stop. Or maybe I just wanted it to. I didn't realise how much I was into him until I realised he wasn't into me. I'm speechless. I say, eh, non-existent. I have nothing else to say. I'm no longer hungry. I want to tell him he is my love life. I don't. I can't finish my foe. I have a lump in my throat and it's growing and tears are moments away from flooding my eyes. Why do I feel this way? Why? John gulps the last bit of his foe and says, well, that was great. Let's get out of here. I oblige. In the car ride home, I am fondling a confession I'd written him, accompanied by a small gift for his birthday that had just passed. But now I know I can't give it to him. Now I know. I feel foolish. The ride, only five minutes long, seems to last forever. But when forever ended, I wanted it to start over. Despite my secret affection being unreciprocated, I wanted to be near him still. I hop out of his Jeep, hiding an inevitable emotional breakdown, telling him goodbye. I say that I hope to see him soon, and off he went, and there I stood. I began to feel so very heavy. I walk to my front door and I start to shake. I feel weak, and my hand is so unsteady. I can't seem to place my key in the hole, and all I want to do is get inside as fast as possible. I drop my key and fall to my knees. Finally, the podication. As my key seems to weigh a ton, something inside of me does too, and I cannot, for the life of me, open the door. This is an, this is a problem for you, mm. you indoors. <laughs> uh, I sit down and watch the flickering flame of a lamp across the street. Then I decide to call my wonderful friend, Darren, to tell him what had just happened. This is a great time to mention that Darren is a long-time listener of yours and the one that introduced me to Adrift last year. Hello? That's all it took for me to absolutely lose it. His voice brought me to tears. I feel like I can't catch my breath. I can't form a sentence. I just sit on the stoop of my front door and sob. I'm not even sure why I feel the way I do. I feel so empty. Darren listened often to meet me, and so he did. We lived two blocks away from each other, so the feeling of loneliness was brief. And after many much-needed tears, I felt so much better. So, to Darren... You are sunlight broken through glass windows into tiny little rainbows on warm carpet floors. You are oftentimes the light at the end of a dark street. I think about you when I hear the distant song of a calliope 
when I step outside in the French quarter. You are as unique as this city itself. You are reliable. Warm, starting to go. Warm and gentle. You understand what I mean when I say that I don't want to be alone, but that I don't want to talk either. My life is a series of parentheses and commas of me explaining something I said, then explaining why I explained myself and so on, and you almost always know what I have to say before I even say it. I've never been good at expressing my feelings for other people, much like Annabelle. Lots of love is about the best response someone gets from me when they say they love me. I hope these words find you on a day you are well, and if not, maybe they could be one small part of a day that will only get better. You recently had a friend pass away, and I'm not sure I listened enough or said enough when you shared the news. Another friend is in hospital, and again, I may have failed to show patience and compassion in an appropriate way. For that, I'm sorry. You've never shied away from expressing gratitude to those you care about, so I have no doubt that James knew how important he was to you, how often he made you laugh, and was aware of all the new friendships you cultivated through him. We tend to revisit our last interaction with someone when they leave us, and I'm positive you told him something that made him feel appreciated. Although loss is not something we forget, but something we learn to live with, it's okay to take some time to not be okay. You are often the shoulder for so many other people. Now it's my turn to be yours. In a world of so much uncertainty, it is something beautiful to be certain of you. I may not say it often, I may not show it, but for someone who grew up moving frequently and often feels homesick and wonders where home may be, I think I've found a little bit of home in you. Forever adrift, often alone, but not so lonely. Daniel. I'm looking forward to the film of this. They should it's do a film. so beautiful. Yeah. I mean, what, what, I mean, that was, uh, we went through the full gamut there, didn't we? Yeah, From yeah. Glass doors to just a beautiful Had it all. bit of writing and tribute to a friendship. That's really wonderful. Um, thanks for writing in, Daniel, and thanks for writing so beautifully and eloquently. And... I mean, if John couldn't see what was right in front of That's him, what I mean, think. who cares yeah. about John? But, um, you know, what a remarkable friend you have in Darren and, and vice versa. So there we go. That's the latest edition of the podcast, podicated to Darren uh, from from Daniel. Daniel Avicia, I think is how you say it. And... Uh, if you'd like to request a podcast, you can email us hello at adriftpodcast.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.